Hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have my co-host, Mr. Chris Sheridan, on the line. I'm uh, here. You are there. Thank you for being there and here at the same time through the miracle of the Anchor app <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and wireless technology. So here we are. Uh, we were listening to some birds before this recording started, some beautiful spring birds that are visiting Chris, uh, and they're visiting us here as well. Wait, did I hear the birds? Yeah, just very slightly I heard the birds. Yes. I closed the window. So, so. It, is, it is spring, and the birds are here, and God bless them and all of us. Hope that you are feeling uh, spring-like and springy and a sense of renewal, even though uh, most of us are still at home. Uh, we're working through this stuff, and hopefully we're bringing a little bit of light into your life each week uh, with our two shows, the Emmett Fox one that we do on Friday, and then on Sunday we do our, our longer shows that are more varied subjects. And speaking of varied subjects, today we are getting into reincarnation, which is a very interesting subject that we have not really talked about much before. I'm sure we've touched on it here and there in our shows, but we certainly haven't dedicated a show to it, so it's, it's high time we did so. And here we are with it. So we're drawing from a few sources. Um, we've got Manly Hall's book, um, Reincarnation, the Cycle of Necessity, I believe. is Yeah, Reincarnation, the Cycle of Necessity. And we've got a pamphlet, How Belief in Rebirth Can Enrich Your Life, which was a lecture from when, Chris? 1956. Okay, from 1956 uh, that Manly Hall gave at, at the PRS, I'm assuming, right? Uh, well, it was before the auditorium was built. So, so then we can assume been, that. Uh, probably, no. Well, I can verify. Or, or can we assume the case. That. that would not be the case. Was it at the, <laughs> so it wasn't at PRS at all then. He wasn't speaking then before the auditorium was there, was he? He didn't speak up in those classrooms, did he? Were those there? Uh, well, he would on Wednesday nights. On Wednesday nights. So okay. the more in-depth um subjects okay and so a more kind of study group but as far as his study large group. public sunday morning lectures they weren't delivered in uh the auditorium at the prs uh, in los Feliz, his place the philosophical research society until mid-1959 when it was built that's it right still stands today and that's still right. have lectures in non-lockdown times, times yeah so wh <laughs> where would he speak uh, at, you know, when the PRS was open, but it had no auditorium, when would he, where would he do the Sunday lectures then? All over? He would. There's a Figueroa Playhouse um, and the Trinity Auditorium, which uh, was downtown Los Angeles. Uh, those were, I think, the two venues he spoke the most uh, okay. from the 20s through the, the late 50s when he then made the transition to uh to the los Feliz. oh very good all right perfect so a little manly hall knowledge and trivia for us thank you for supplying that you are a well of a wellspring of manly hall knowledge we appreciate that check out chris and reincarnation as a subject yes. actually is something that he touched on and uh, elaborated upon many many times throughout his career i think his first lecture his first public lecture uh, at the church of the people was about reincarnation so and it's, that it's was, a big subject for him he's something he really spent a lot uh, dedicated a lot towards and that would have been sometime in the early 20s right right probably about exactly 100 years ago okay there you go so manly hall a great man and we highly recommend his work as we do uh, most of the time i would say there's not a lecture that goes by where we don't at least reference him once or twice and so you know he is actually uh how Chris and I met, of course, at the Philosophical Research Society, which is on Los Feliz. Uh, we both worked there. Chris worked there quite a bit longer than I did. Uh, but I was uh, privileged to be there for a short time, and it was a real blessing to have been uh, a part of that. Okay, so today, as we said, we're going into reincarnation. We're going to speak about this subject. Primarily, we're not going to you know, get into you know, the doctrinal ideas from Buddhism or Hinduism or any of these sorts of things or, you know, what exactly is reincarnating and, you know, the very specific stuff about reincarnation that some religious uh, views may hold. We're going to instead kind of look at the idea of reincarnation as a sort of philosophical, ethical and moral outlook and how that might play into one's life and how a belief in reincarnation can affect you positively because we believe that that's the case so we're going to kind of present some of the ideas that support that 
uh, and look into some interesting, uh, other interesting aspects of reincarnation. Uh, so thank you for supporting us. We appreciate you being here uh, each week with us uh, on the Cosmic Eye Show. And you can support us through anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. There is a place where you can do a monthly donation. I want to, of course, reach out to everyone who is donating to us monthly. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. And those who are not, if you can, please do. It, it helps us out tremendously. It helps us to, to promote the show and to get it out there and to kind of keep us, keep us going. So thanks again for that. Uh, Chris has a book called The Spirit in the Sky. I highly recommend that. Check that out if you haven't got a copy. And I have a book called If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And those are both on Amazon. So we got that out of the way, jumping into reincarnation. Let us, let us live again, Chris. All right. All right. Live, live like you only have, what, <laughs> thousand or two lives? Or, <laughs> or however many it plays itself out in. All right. So let's just yeah. look then at the idea of reincarnation itself, some, a bit of background and history on it. And I'm just going to kind of hand that over to you because I've been blabbering for a while now. So jump in with some of those ideas and then we'll, we'll start a dialogue. Okay. Well, I'll start with a conventional, a couple conventional ideas. One of those is that what comes around goes around. And if you screw up in this life, you're going to come back as a frog or some, you know, you will be punished in your next life for what you did wrong in this life. And although yes, there is karma and you do bring with you <laughs> into the next life, maybe what uh, uh, you have done in this life, but it's really what you've learned in this life so that you come back and you grow and that you continue to grow, that you may need several bodies in order for this single soul to develop fully uh, because we only get so much time here and that it's a wheel that it turns that there's a cycle uh, you know being born you know growing you know transition and in this off time you know there's uh, the bardo planes perhaps like in the tibetan book of the dead uh, that there are different levels when you're not in the body you still have work to do mm -hmm. <laughs> there are levels and you have to do this uh, and then when you come back in um you've taken not only what you did in this, you know, current life, uh, but in this in-between state, uh, there's also growth and maybe a debrief or, okay, what, what did you do in this last life? What did you learn? Okay. And then how can you then, you know, come back in to the next one? There seems to be uh, little evidence that we can remember who and what we were mm -hmm. um, before. Although, you know, I've seen it in children who have, they just know certain words in Sanskrit that, you know, how would they know that? They were never exposed um, or just like, you know, really kind of trippy stuff. Um, so there, there might be an echo. There might be something. Uh, I think there, you know, we can get into this. There might be too much. We might be burdened too much. And another popular convention, we just you know, finished with this for the moment, is um, there's a desire to sometimes um, find out who you were. Oh, was I Cleopatra? Was I Napoleon? Was I, you know, cheap Seattle? That there's, you know, this, you're kind of enamored with a vision of maybe, and that's great to think of an archetypal or a very large um, type of person, but that kind of diverts from the, really the main point. Mm -hmm. um, if you're just too concerned about which, you know, hero of the past you once were. Yeah, good so. point. So those are, those are some of the more, those are kind of some of the prominent sort of, I don't want to say misconceptions, but maybe the, the sort of popular folk, folk ideas that, that sort of we have about, about uh, reincarnation, right? So, but in its basic form, I mean, really what we're, what we're talking about is a transmigration of, of, of the soul in essence, some essential energy, which is in us that lives on after the body dies, quote unquote, and begins to, you know, um, deteriorate and, you know, assimilate itself back into the earth, whatever. Um, there is something that lives on and then is reborn in another creature. And some think that, you know, it's, it's just in, you know, if we've reached this level of, of evolutionary force or what have you, or evolutionary growth, that it's back into another human body. And some people think that it could be back in some other sort of creature and then there's various, like you said, various ideas about how and when that occurs, you know, what you have to go through 
in the other world to get back here and how much time you're there and are there you know different heavens and hells that you've got to experience before you're reborn and, and so on there's various ideas and we're you know again those are the kind of things that uh a lot of the popular ideas about about reincarnation are kind of kind of built on and those they're interesting ideas and like you said there's a lot of evidence that's been shown you can watch documentaries on this especially when you look at how for example, the uh, the new Dalai Lama is chosen, or different lamas and high figures, and uh, Rinpoches and different types of revered teachers uh, in uh, Tibetan Buddhism. There's a very elaborate process that includes astrology, and it includes uh, going out all over all over different places uh, in Tibet and different even places around the world where that the soul might have been born, and then that that particular child has to prove through recognizing his um his previous possessions and different ideas and things like this and it's remarkable i mean it'll blow your mind this is what you're talking about when you're talking about the trippy stuff and so you know there is there is some very interesting documented information uh i've witnessed it firsthand there you go there you go just a couple of years ago yeah. so uh, how, how where did that where did that occur by the way do you mind sharing oh it was actually at a i think it was a furniture store um, but I was with, um, gosh, he must have been two and a half uh, at the time. So he was, you know, walking and he was verbalizing. Uh, who, who it? My grandson. Okay. Your grandson? And, okay. Uh-huh. And, um, and he would call a phone a faba. That was just his, you know, faba, baba, you know, mama, dad. It was, you know, that level of talking. And we thought it was cute. So we never really corrected him because it, it was kind of cool. But all he would have ever seen would be a cell phone, an iPhone, specifically. Okay. Yeah, um, and you know there was no corded phone anywhere, and we're in this furniture store, and you know it was, he just started pointing. He goes, "Faba, Faba," and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Somebody dropped their phone. You want to look at my phone? He goes, "No, Faba," and he pointed, and there was like a computer terminal next to it. it was one of those office phones. It was probably an internal thing for the store. Uh, there wasn't anybody around. Nobody was talking on it, but it was one of those office phones that has the multi lines and it's kind of squared mm-hmm. and it's black and it has that uh, cord to it. And so low to the ground, he wouldn't have really been able to even see the handset. Wow. Or anything. Yeah. It would have been, yeah. it, it bore no resemblance whatsoever to an iPhone. Sure. And nor was anybody talking on it. So there wasn't even a functional bridge that he made. It was, he just looked at it and, you know, Faba, Faba. He knew that that was a phone. So, you know, it had to have been maybe a past life from yeah, <laughs> that's, the last hundred that's years. That's a good point. Interesting. Or, or I don't know. I mean, it's who knows if it's, you know, past life or this or that, but that was definitely very specific. And yeah, there's, I can, I can guarantee he, he was not exposed to a corded phone. Sure. And there's, you know, there's, there's thousands (laughs) of those kinds of, if not probably millions of those kinds of experiences that people have had. Um, And it's, you know, you tend to kind of gloss over that. They go, how strange, you know, if you're not really paying attention to it, but when you point it out, it's like, wow, yeah, no, there's something there. You really do have to look at it. And, and of course, they they always bring up the idea of prodigies that come into the world with some kind of gift for painting or for music or something. They talk about Mozart and, you know, and and so on and, you know, different genius level of, uh, you know, musicians, artists, poets, painters, et cetera, et cetera, that just seem to have a a gift that they bring with them. It seems a pre-existent level of skill with them. And, and, And one of the, you know, the sort of natural logical extensions of it as well they've learned it in a past life and they're carrying it over with them i can see where where that would be a logical extension anyway our our concern is not really to to go into all that those things are fun and they are interesting and i highly recommend that you check them out especially uh i can't think of the name of that documentary off the top of my head but if you if you google you know how is the dalai lama chosen documentary or, you know, evidence for reincarnation, you know, documentary, I'm sure a ton of things will come up and there's a lot of great information out there. And, you know, our, our job, of course, in, in this show is not to try to convert anyone to any, you know, any type of belief or, or anything like that. We're just sharing ideas that we think are valuable. And one of the valuable ideas in this idea of reincarnation that Manly Hall really points out uh, is its ethical and moral stance uh, that it sort of contains. So, you know, you think that, that this idea of reincarnation, the idea of rebirth carries an inherent sort of ethic or moral responsibility uh, within it. 
And, you know, we think, well, what, what good does that do me? Well, it does, you know, it does you a lot of good to think about that because it's one of these ideas where it can actually, if you wrestle with it and you think about it and you come to some sort of understanding of this concept, it can actually help you to have a, a better life, I believe. Do you, would you agree with that? Well, it certainly can because you think about your consequences um, and the value of the things that you mm -hmm. do. That there's a payoff. Yeah. And you know, it's not just entry into, you know, the next, you know, the afterlife uh, where you'll be judged harshly or, you know, according to whatever other belief. Uh, but that if you know you're coming back, you kind of want to pay it forward and give your next self, you know, that hand up. Um, and you want to grow that you OK, how can I learn? How can I? be evolved as much as I can in this life that maybe the next one, it'll be even more so until according to the, you know, the Hindu tradition that you, know, you won't need to, you achieve the moksha, the liberation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we can, we can go on with that on, you know, bodhisattvas and, you know, a choice, a later choice, but just initially knowing that just like, you know, you, you wouldn't, you know, trash your own, you know, room or your own car. Cause you know, that's where you're going to, sleep and, and drive mm -hmm. unless of course you don't care or don't want yeah. to but there's an immediate consequence to what you, that affects you deeply and personally not just oh somewhere else or well when i'm done with this life well someone else will have to clean up the mess it's like no <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. exactly and it, it makes it very it makes it very personal and there's also a mm -hmm. sort of a you know there's a sense of of, of justice in it so that you know, even if you don't understand the things that are going on in the framework of of karma, you know, the things that you do, the law of cause and effect and so on, having some effect on future lives and, you know, our, our life right now, uh, you know, because the idea of karma and, and rebirth obviously go hand in hand. There's a, there's a sense of, of justice in it because you can say, well, you know, uh, the, the things that I do do matter. The things, you know, if I act as a as a good and just person in this life, it does make a difference. And it may not even show out in the in the world around me all the time, but it does make a difference in the universal scheme of things. And it also seems like, OK, there's it, if you look at it in the sense of, you know, some of the tragedies and misfortunes and things like that that occur, if you look at them more not as as punishments per se, that are being visited upon people for, you know, evil acts in the past, but more as a corrective or a, a sort of way to understand and grow, then, you know, you can kind of develop a greater sense of justice. When you see, you know, when you situations that appear unjust and people quote unquote, getting away with things that you think they shouldn't and so on, you know, it, there is a certain sense of justice when you realize that, you know, the universe and not even just the, not the universe, really, because Manly Hall points out that it's a very personal thing. It's something we carry within ourselves. There's a sort of a measure that exists within us that kind of, you know, meets out these sorts of experiences, you know, in, in our, you know, lifetime to lifetime, um, that it kind of takes out the idea of randomness in the universe or, you know, an injustice or sort of a negative, you know, kind of destructive universe that we live in, arbitrary ideas and so on. And those, you know, those sorts of ideas tend towards a sort of nihilism. And so, you know, the thing about all of this stuff is that, you know, there should be usefulness in your philosophical outlook. It should provide you with some sort of utility and use and, and benefit. And if it doesn't, you really have to reexamine it. You know, and, and this, these are, this is one of those beliefs where, you know, and you don't, this is the thing about it. You don't have to say exactly what rebirth is, for example. You don't need to know exactly what's being reborn. You don't need to even really carry it over into the future so much, except to think that, you know, most likely, if you say this to yourself, most likely I will be reborn in some form or another again in the future in you know on the earth you look at it like that and think well what do i want to leave behind and what do i want to gather up to take with me into this next life um you know so that i can do better next time for example you know so that i can be more exemplary in my conduct and so on 
you know, and, and I think when you start looking at it like that, it gives you this sense that, oh, there, there, you know, what I do matters. There is a, there is an operation of justice occurring all of the time, even though I may or may not understand or perceive it in my own life and in all the lives of other people around me. You know, and I think that that, that really does free up a lot of our philosophical sort of hangups that we have about life. Like, well, how can God exist if, you know, if all these terrible things happen and, you know, how can this or that be true if X, Y, Z occurs and things like that, you know, you start to look at things and you start to, if you can kind of take some personal responsibility for things, it makes things that seem unjust, maybe at least more understandable and you can wrap your head around them a little bit. And there's something you can do to alleviate you know, the, the suffering of others and the suffering in your own life, because you know that your good conduct actually will have some effect in the future and, and not just in the future, the next life, but in the, you know, future of, of this particular life you're living right now. And I think that's the most valuable thing of all that we can get out of this. Don't you agree? And we're going to talk more about that as we go on, but. Yeah, I, I do. And it's, you know, well, a lot of the difficulties that we face in this life, you know, do have a center in ourselves. We feel the injustice caused by others or this unfairness. Uh, but having a belief in rebirth um, also teaches that not everybody is taking the same turn at the same time, okay? If we have you know, 100 lives, not everybody is, is at the same spot. So if somebody else is in their cycle of rebirth, of growth, of evolution of the soul, maybe they haven't quite figured some things out yet, even if they're highly prominent in other areas. Um, so they know that you don't have to take care of them. You don't have to look at the universe as being unjust, you just have to look at it. Well, that's the track they're on. They will figure out their own growth on their own terms in their own way, even if whatever they're doing now is you know, terrible for the planet or another person. So there's a little bit of kind of forgiveness or just knowing that somebody else, they're on their wheel of of reincarnation and, you know, maybe they've had a few more turns than they've had and they're just not there yet. So it kind of forgives, but it also allows, you mm -hmm. don't know how somebody grows. You don't know their inside. They don't yeah. even know. Good point. Uh, maybe. So, you know, there can be, and that's what that does for us personally, is it takes some of the burden of um, anguish or frustration or feeling uh, this injustice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we don't have to feel, feel that maybe so hard. So that, that can be a direct well, effect. And it's surprising, life. too, that the doctrine of rebirth and the idea of reincarnation is not more popular in the West because we are very pragmatic. You know, and we do believe in in free will and we do believe that our actions uh, carry good or, you know, evil consequences. We do believe those things. We don't most of us today, even the most, um, you know, conservative Christians don't really believe in predestiny per se. Like, you know, and the idea of predestiny is that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. There's a certain number of people who are elect to be, you know. Uh, that are going straight to heaven and others that are locked out of the kingdom. You know, that's a, that's a predestined, it's a Calvinist idea. And this was pretty, pretty prominent in the early days of, uh, of the American church, um, you know, in this, in the, in this late 1600s, early 1700s, and during the, you know, the foundation of the colonies and, you know, as the United States was forming. Um, so, you know, the idea that, 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 that the Puritans and some of those groups had when they come over here. So, yeah, but most of us today do, you know, do believe that we can create our own destinies, particularly those of us who, you know, lean towards things like new thought and so on, you know, where you think about how your thought affects your life and your, your actions, you know, determine where you're going and all that, you know, so it's really a pre quite a prevalent idea. Those are, you know, those are ideas that have to do with karma, car excuse me, karma, you know, and the idea of sowing seeds as you sow, so shall you reap, it says in the Bible. And that's, you know, sowing seeds is planting seeds, you know, so we can look at that as a, as a, as an analogy for the thoughts that we have, the actions that we do and the, the type of plants that are going to be harvested from the seeds that we sow are the ones that we, you know, put in the ground. 
you put in ground, you know, grounds, uh, you put in carrots, you're going to, you know, seeds of carrots, you're going to get carrots. You put in celery, you're going to get celery, right? So it's like, you know, this is something we, we understand inherently. So this idea of rebirth really fits into that well, because this, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of, of justice and work that go on in this, in this, in this idea of rebirth that, that fits very squarely with that. Uh, there's also a certain amount of personal responsibility. And I think that's maybe, maybe why it's unpopular. <laughs> that's a good point. Because it's a little easier to say, well, if I pray to this God or I hail Mary that um, or chant something, or then St. Peter's going to determine where I'm going or whatever you believe in the, the beyond is it's kind of up to well your approval by some judgment or something sure. like that whereas it with rebirth it's you know your difficulty or ease into the, the next life or afterlife or both uh, has a lot to do with what, what you, you do. do exactly um, and what you do in your heart and your soul it's a soul growth it's not you know what do you sin or do this it's do you really mm -hmm. grow and you know, people can grow in prison after uh, doing horrible things. Um, and then maybe their next life, uh, maybe they'll just have a misdemeanor and not hurt anybody. And they'll, you know, the one after that, maybe they'll think about it, but not do the act. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, just think of it as like a building. You come back and maybe you just each time you do a even just a little bit yeah. better. Yeah. And, and that's and that's the thing is like and, you know, you don't even the the. You know, you can do obviously research into, you know, different beliefs about reincarnation and so on and look at some of the historical, you know, antecedents of it. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about that before the show and you talked a little bit about the Greeks and those ideas. Um, you want to share a little bit about that? So these ideas ha ha were in the West and they were actually in the West, you know, prior to Christianity, even in the early days of Christianity and that period of Judaism when Christianity began to flourish. Uh, so you want to talk about that a little bit with the Greeks? Well, I can go even oh. further back. Uh, the West's uh, belief, uh, the Greek, ancient Greek philosophic belief in rebirth may actually precede Buddhism. Oh, interesting. Because Pythagoras, that we know from the great theorem and uh, the theory of music and color, uh, things we use every day, whether we give them credit or not, uh, and of course, he just rediscovered these things. He traveled far and wide, and there is evidence. I don't know if it's proof, but there is evidence to believe that he studied at uh, several temples in India, one being the uh, Temple of the Elephant, um, which is where supposedly Gautama Buddha wound up, but about 60 or 70 years mm -hmm. later after Pythagoras. So uh, this idea, and, uh, according to Heraclitus, uh, claimed that Pythagoras you know, knew or had contact with some of his past lives uh, in the great years later, in the great dialogues uh, of Plato, where he would have philosophers living and dead in a room talking about ideas, uh, putting across different ideas that uh, the Socrates in, in Plato's dialogue would talk about metempsychosis or this transmigration of the soul that it moves from one body to the next, thus the soul having this eternal life, the body eat, having like one at a time, but that it keeps on going and you build on it, you grow upon it each time coming back, just get it a little more right. And isn't that what we do anyway with, well, tomorrow's another day, or how about the new year? You know, the imagery on new year's is, well, just try to next time around, we're going to Yes, it's the sun or the earth going around the sun uh, for a lap, but it's the baby is mm -hmm. the symbolism, you know, that it's an old man is out and then, you know, the solstice, the sun stops and then I hear this, this rebirth uh, that we, oh, we get to do it again. Oh, it's New Year's. I resolve to, you know, it's, we can really use these things as, as we see them all the time, perennial plants, a tree could be hundreds of years old and each time a pine cone drops a new Mm -hmm. pine tree comes up and or when those you know life is this kind of perpetual sure and when those earth. those leaves drop from that tree when they die you know those are used for nutrients in the soil when that tree itself finally dies it you know it's reabsorbed into the soil and used as nutrients for those trees and the other trees in the forest and we're the same way i mean our human body is like that i mean if we were not burying ourselves in these you know 
in these caskets that are like lead lined and, you know, titanium covered and all this, you know, we would go right back into the soil um, and actually nourish the, you know, the plants and the animals and, and the earth that, uh, you know, that we came from, you know, so, so there, there's, there's that natural life cycle. So if you look at it sort of biologically, the idea of, you know, life, birth, death, and this kind of cycling, and you look at the seeds, and, and you look at the plants and animals, and how it all functions together on, on this plane, on this earth plane that we live on. It you know it supports the idea of reincarnation. It's not a lot. It's not a large extrapolation out to go. Well, you know, one I'm going to turn into worm food one day. This body, but something you know in me, this soul or this essence or spirit, something lives on. And it too will come back. You know, that really isn't that strange of an idea when you look at how everything works in the natural world. And we think, oh, this is such a weird idea, like reincarnation. Isn't that trippy, man? It's so odd. It's so strange. But it, it's, well, we think that because we don't live close to the earth anymore. If you were an ancient person, you know, or you're, or you're a farmer today even, you see this go on all the time. You see this process of life, death, and rebirth going on about you all the time. And so it just keeps reinforcing that idea in a material way. And it's not, I, I don't see where it would be that big of a stretch for, for someone to come up with the idea of reincarnation or even to accept it because of seeing what goes on here. You know, so, I mean, that's not proof that it, it, it occurs, but it definitely pushes you in a direction where you can see a logical extension. Do you know what I mean? Well, I do. And that logic actually extends further when you look at the difference between a human being and these other animals. Uh, let's just take mammals, I guess, um, for example, uh, and how they live and how they do their rebirth. When a horse is born, um, it generally stands up uh, by the end of the day, or that's probably a good mm -hmm. sign it may not survive. Um, this time that it takes us to gestate in the womb to be born and then to achieve physical maturity and even further emotional or, you know, mental uh, maturity, you know, we're 22, 25 years before we're really able to do anything. And then we have what a 30, 40 year span to do it. And then some years to decline, the proportions are way out. And I think a lot of that has to do with the head being so big that it, it really wouldn't fit through the birth canal. So physiologically, anatomically, and we just don't have, it takes us so long to get going, a huge percentage, one third maybe, uh, or one quarter of our lifespan. No, maybe say, one yeah. third perhaps, before we're really moving in the yeah. world. You know, we're a professional now, we're raising our own family and we're doing these things. Um, it's, it's way out of whack. For us to take that long just to get going, we should all live to be 150 just to have a reasonable. Yeah, life. I know. Exactly. That's, you know? A, that's a great point. Like, like, you know, akin to the other animals. So, uh, and we also have more to, to grow. You know, we have a level of consciousness uh, perhaps that other animals don't, and we, and we don't have instinct. See the other, uh, the animals can benefit from instinct. They, they're, they have this instruction kind of with them. So physically they're mm -hmm. able to reproduce and walk and well, live we, we have some within a year or two. They're certainly not as, as much of a driving force as they are with, a, with an animal, that's for sure. Yeah, and we, have, we just have a lot we of have a ton learning, learning to do. Exactly. That's why pilots and doctors and teachers, uh, they can really mm -hmm. keep on mm -hmm. growing uh, throughout and be just as effective uh, in later years as they were um, younger because you know you're, you're drawing you're, you're building, building on that yeah from and why wouldn't and, that extend yeah but then why where does it go extend? when you pass like, though what's the point well i mean or you know there's yeah. more to it than that but why why wouldn't it continue if that's what you've done your whole life you know i know people that are musicians doctors that live to great great age and you know they're always interested yeah. they're and always seems... learning and they're adding to what sure, they yeah, have so it does seem too that there would be, you know, the idea of, you know, of sort of a, a certain sense of justice or, you know, a sort of moral type of a universe could be kind of extrapolated out from that idea because it's like, wh why, why wouldn't you be able to carry over the good works and good deeds and knowledge that you've gained in some fashion or another? You know, one argument against that, Manley Hall addresses that is, is that, well, we, 
you know, we don't remember our past lives. So how can we prove that there are past lives? But, you know, he gets into the point, it's like maybe nature built that in because it would not be beneficial for us to know our past lives. For example, if we knew some of the horrendous things we did in the past, you know, maybe we wouldn't be so apt to, to, to do, you know, good deeds in this life because we're too overwhelmed by the, you know, the evil that we did in the past. And we'd think, well, what's the use? Or, you know, we'd be so overwhelmed with feelings of guilt that we'd be just paralyzed or something like this. Or we'd think, oh, well, I did so well in that last life. I can, you know, I can dick off in this life and I don't need to, you know, do anything of value because, uh, you know, I already did it all last time. You know, you know what I mean? And so those sorts of things you think, well, that that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and again, we're not trying to prove or disprove anything here. We're just trying to look at some philosophical ideas that might be of value. And, you know, it it's it appears that the idea of rebirth and reincarnation does tend towards a sort of positive action and a sort of, you know, personal responsibility that maybe the idea of, you know, an eternal afterlife based on this or that dogmatic idea you know might not hold the same value in some ways and i'm not saying that thing's not true i'm not saying one is true and the other isn't true you know i don't know you know i am not all wise by any means you know and so you know my point though is that if you look at nature you look at life you look at the way things seem to work it points towards a sort of idea of rebirth or reincarnation now where that ultimately goes to you know, that's a, that's another story. And, you know, most of the, the, you know, the religious ideas that hold reincarnation as part of its doctrine, there is some eventual release from this life. There is an eventual experience of an afterlife. There is an eventual type of heaven or, you know, or ultimate enlightenment or something along these lines. So it's not like it's absent. You don't, you know, you don't necessarily keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. You know, but, you know, for, for example, in Hinduism, that, that that's the case. But until but you're trying to keep working towards a release from that cycle of, of, of death and rebirth, you know, through positive actions, through, you know, religious training, through through righteous, you know, um, connection to others and things like that. So, you know, there's a rhyme and reason to it. Um, you know, and there, I, again, there's a rhyme and a reason to the idea of like, well, you know, because it, there is there is that idea in um, in in Christianity, for example, in traditional Christianity, where you know your actions do do matter, and they're going to you know they're going to kind of weigh in uh, in terms of where your soul goes in the afterlife and so forth. So it's not as if those ideas are absent, but the idea of reincarnation gives you, I guess, a little more it gives you more time. It seems like it seems rather a challenging idea to think that, wow, in this lifetime, I have got to, you know, figure out all of the right things and, you know, um, be able to do, you know, all of this, this, this righteous work and so on. And that's going to determine what happens, you know, for, for my eternal existence in the afterlife in one short span of a life and how long might my life be? I mean, what if I only get, you know, 15 years? What if, you know, people die young, what about them? I mean, there's all, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of these ideas. And again, not to say that that's not the case because I don't have all the answers, but you know, this idea in rebirth certainly lends itself, I think to a more sort of equitable sort of a system in essence. So in a more sort of, there's a longer time frame and a sort of a more moral and ethical kind of imperative that you would need to continually keep improving. And I think that's really what Manly Hall gets at in this book. And it's, you know, he's focusing a lot on the here and now, you know, how our actions affect us here and now. But he also points out to the fact that, you know, there's a sort of responsibility for, for our future self, but also other future selves because we need to leave something behind for people to be born into, you know, and that gets into the idea of, you know, sustainability and sort of ecological responsibility and so on. So that we want to leave something behind for, you know, future lifetimes, not just to mention future lifetimes, even if you don't believe in reincarnation, future lifetimes, like your kids, their kids and the lineage of your family. If, if that's how you're thinking, that's a real practical way to look at it. But let me just read this one thing and then I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Um, 
he says in this uh, in this pamphlet, like, again, I highly recommend it, how belief in rebirth can enrich your life. If we wish, wish peace, we must earn it. If we wish security, we must act in accordance with the laws that produce it. Instead of leaving the solution of pressing problems for future ages and unborn generations, man should face the fact that sometime, somewhere, but inevitably, he must live out the consequences of his own actions. If reincarnation could be taught as factual and accepted, there would be less crime, poverty, and misery in this old world. And you, you think about that, and you think about the natural extension of that. You know, if people did believe that their actions mattered for, for their their own future life, you know, we're we're a very individualistic and a very you know egocentric being. You know, all of us, not just Americans, all people in general, right? All human beings. So if we think, look, the things I'm doing right now are going to make a difference in my future lifetime. So I don't want to crap this place up that I'm in. And I don't want to carry a bunch of burdens over into a next life to suffer even more than I'm suffering now or to suffer in the future when, you know, I'm having a great life now, but I'm not living so ethically. It's just, it's, you can see where, you know, that would kind of hinder people from maybe making certain choices that they make. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, you know, just double-edged sword with the one scenario and sort of a double-sided solution with rebirth, because you're right, if we are to be judged with one shot, one time in this body, in this life on earth, that our whole eternal salvation or damnation completely rides on everything or whatever we do here and now, according to whatever belief, that's a huge burden. And it's almost like, well, you're destined to fail. So you might as well just have fun in this life or not care or be so burdened by that. You don't actually live a rich life because you're so worried about not pleasing the gods or St. Peter when you're done with this life. But where rebirth, in a way, it kind of lets you off the hook because you're seeing the long view. And you know there's only so much you can do in this life, but it also puts you on the spot that, yes, but this is on you <laughs> to do this. And what you're doing, in essence, is paying it forward to you in your next lifetime and carnation, you know, that you're going to be, be here. And each time you're moving the ball a little bit further down the field, you're climbing ever higher towards the mountaintop. And... Yes, in some traditions, um, well, there's the idea of once you achieve this moksha, this liberation, um, that you can be presented with wherever you go next, because maybe there's just a whole nother world for you to <laughs> incarnate or do something for many lifetimes as well, or some other higher plane of existence. But you're given the choice as what's known as a bodhisattva to come back into this world after having evolved to where you don't have to, but you can come back and as a choice to then be a guide, a leader, and you can be put in any area of society, poor, rich, you know, bad, good, you know, any kind of uh, part of the world. You might be a criminal or something, but you're in the Bodhisattva incarnation that you carry with you the essence of having achieved liberation that you might shine that and inspire others that on their trip uh, towards liberation, that they actually get a taste of it or a sample or some experience. Well, personally, though, in this life, no, I was going to say personally, that, the, that leads yeah. right yeah. into what, you know, your, your experience um, in the plane crash. Talk, talk about that because you've had personal experience with this kind of idea. Well, yeah, actually I had a, um, I was in a plane crash. I was flying um, yeah, almost 30 years ago. And I called a mayday on the radio. I thought for sure I was going to you were the only person on the plane, right? In it's a, a crash. Single, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was the pilot, operator, occupant, sole. Uh, and um, I had a really incredible spiritual experience. I saw this incredible vision of uh, this kind of unity, all is one. Uh, very difficult to describe, but... I heard a voice, which I can describe, and it asked me if I wanted to live or die. And I thought that was really weird, not the question, but the voice. I like, who said that? Um, and I literally thought about turning to the back seat, which of course was empty. Uh, and I knew there was nobody over the radio. It wasn't a radio voice. 
Um, and I kind of sat on it and then it asked me again and I'm where my thoughts went at the time I had heard of reincarnation. Um, I wasn't really on board with it at all, uh, necessarily. Um, but I thought about that in the moment, in this really intense and, you know, kind of traumatic moment um, that I thought, well, geez, you know, if I chose to die, you know, I mean, it's going to be a plane crash. It's probably really going to hurt. You know, it's not such a bad idea. Um, and I thought I was anyway, but to have this choice, part of my choice, and I did choose to live, was based on the idea of rebirth. I thought that if I just said, okay, well, I can choose to die now, um, that I maybe didn't accomplish enough, not just as a, an achievement in this life, but just in case. I didn't really believe in reincarnation. I'm a lot leaning more towards it now, but uh, at the time I was like, well, what if it's real? <laughs> mm -hmm. Just in case, like as an insurance policy, um, I chose to stay here because I knew that there was much more I could do. Um, and I knew if I chose to live that I would survive. I just innately knew that, um, that I could continue on in this life. And, and affect your more. next life, right? Uh, if that and, were the case. And, and yeah. set myself up. Yeah, better. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that was actually part of the, it went very quickly because it was, you know, time sort of expands when you're in a, uh, you know, moment of crisis. Uh, but, uh, but I honestly <laughs> thought of that. And it was just enough to go, you know what, I'll, whatever the pain, and it was pretty painful to crash. And I've been in a wheelchair for almost 30 years and um, it certainly affected my life, um, but it hasn't affected my growth, my soul growth. So in, in a small sense, not insignificant, uh, I kind of have experienced a rebirth mm -hmm. or at least a, an extension <laughs> uh, beyond what seemed thank like you, imminent thank you for sharing that. Yeah. at the time. Um, so that actually to, just to, sure, not yeah. to, you know, plug this, but that's, that is all, all those experiences and more are in your book, uh, the spirit in the sky. And I, as I pointed out at the beginning of the show, I highly recommend that book for anyone who hasn't read it. And you talk in much more detail uh, in the book about that experience, which is fantastic. All right. Sure. So thank you. Thank you again. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's the thing about this. It's like, you know, we're not, again, I'm not trying to say, one way or the other, whether, you know, rebirth is, 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 is the only possibility. It's, it's one of these things though, that, that can have a positive effect on your life. Examine it, think about it, you know, weigh it out, look at some of the ideas and quote unquote evidences and, uh, and different dogmatic ideas and so forth with different religious groups and, you know, examine it and weigh it out for yourself and think about it and then think, you know, well, if there's really no definitive, evidence one way or the other and then you say to yourself but you know i can see where this might be true i can see where this makes logical sense if you just apply it as if it's true it's not going to hurt it's one of these kind of things like a belief in god you know it's like people will say well yeah. you know how can you believe in god when you know when so many terrible things happen and this that and the other thing is seemed to be true about this planet and you know there seems like there's no order and all this well, it seems like and, you know, and terrible things and all this stuff are all of our uh, our own personal judgments. And if we kind of weigh those out and then we look and say, well, you know, a belief in God, I, I, I'm not going to prove or disprove it to you. You know, people have been trying that for thousands of years and it hasn't seemed to work. It's one of these things whereby you're either going to have an experience of it and you believe in it, you know, in something higher than yourself or you're not or you you kind of live in this what if scenario and you say to yourself well people who don't have a belief in something higher than themselves seem to not do as well they seem to be somewhat nihilistic depressed and unhappy a lot of times they seem to you know i'm not saying everyone by any means i'm not saying everyone but uh, you know it seems that most of the time and they've done some studies on this about prayer and belief and fellowship and so on that most people who have some sort of religious convictions and a belief in a higher power of some sort seem to have a better psychological adjustment to the world. And I'm talking about people who are in extreme forms of religion that are destructive and, you know, and, and, um, and dangerous and violent. So and I'm talking about people that are, in, you know, mainstream religious groups that are tolerant and fairly open-minded and, 
you know, have a positive outlook on life for the most part and so on. They tend to, you know, live healthier, happier, longer, more fulfilled lives. So you say to yourself, well, shouldn't that kind of be good enough? You know, and then the bonus is if, if that's the case, hey, great. You know, your faith is there for you and you've seen, you've seen the truth of it in the afterlife. If there's, you know what I'm saying? You have nothing to lose by believing, but, but I think you have something to lose by not opening the door to the possibility that there's something bigger than yourself. It seems to be, that seems to be kind of something to lose, you know? And not that I think God's going to punish anyone because they don't believe, but because like your life could have been enhanced and sort of um, made more meaningful by a belief in something greater, a, a spiritual and noble ideal, a, 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 a powerful presence that, you know, that you can, you can tap into and lean on when you need it. Do you, do you know what I mean? I think rebirth is kind of, rebirth is kind of like that in a way. It's yes. Like, I'm not saying exactly how it happens. I'm not saying I have 100%, you know, literal belief in it or any of these things. I'm still wrestling with it. You know, and I, I ran into a Buddhist monk once and we, we talked a bit about this and he had been a monk for something like 25 years. And, and I kind of asked him about his feelings on reincarnation. He's like, eh, I'm not sold on it yet. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and he's like, I don't disbelieve. He goes, I just don't, I don't know. And, he, and, and I'm like, well, is that, a, is that a problem? He goes, not in Buddhism. He's like, that's, you know, not, at least not in the form of Buddhism that I'm practicing. And he's like, you know, this, it's something you've got to wrestle with yourself. And, you know, he goes, I can see the value of it though. And I see why people do believe in it. And that was the thing he said in the end, he's like, I think that a belief in it does tend towards a more constructive lifestyle, but I have no particular evidence that that is true or, or untrue. And that's a very Buddhist outlook. I mean, but it tells you not to believe something you haven't experienced yourself. So, you know, there you go. It's something to wrestle with at, at the very least, right? Well, yeah, and it's, it's something to, like I said, it's something to try, even if you don't believe in it, believe in the value or the values that may come yeah. out of that type of a belief and how that'll affect uh, your actions and you know, sure. your experience. And with, acting as with if now. it were true is, without a doubt, there's no doubt in my mind, that that would be a positive thing for everyone. You know, acting as if your actions mattered for future generations, it, it would have a tremendous effect on life now and in the future. And I think that's where the real value is in the moral and ethical responsibility to the future generations, whether or not we're part of that is kind of inconsequential in my mind. I, but, you know, I tend to lean towards the fact that we'll probably be part of that. But, but you know, it, it's a, there's, something, there's something about making a sacrifice and doing the right thing and, you know, acting honorably now so that someone in the future has, you've left it, the planet, let's say, or your life or your neighborhood a little bit better place than you found it. That's a noble thing when you think about that. That's probably one of the more noble things we can do or leaving kids, you know, behind that have that share that ethos and are going to carry it on or, you know, teaching others of these ideas and then living them out in your own life. And, you know, and that, that and, and propagating this sort of sort of responsibility towards others. And, you know, there's a very, you know, there's a, there's that, that, that's almost like the spiritual idea of sustainability that we're sustaining this place that we're probably going to come back to for future, you know, in future lives and for future generations. And, you know, Manly Hall, uh, there's a great, I want to just share this and then I'll let you, let you share your end thoughts on page 33 of this, this, this pamphlet, how rebirth and, uh, how belief in rebirth can enrich your life. Just read this last paragraph. It's a really powerful one. The enlightened being no longer desires what he has not earned, and he can live happily in a growing and ever-changing world. Universal justice means that the fruits of his own works can never be kept from him. In exchange for relinquishing a little selfishness, he gains a new vision of eternal opportunity. The law of rebirth protects on a universal level the right of every person to work, to earn, and to share. If these rights are wisely and lovingly preserved by the upright man, he can live with himself without fear and regret, and he can also live with others. 
understanding their limitations and sharing their dreams. It seems to me, therefore, that the ethical implications of the doctrine of rebirth should be seriously considered by a modern man as he plans the future of his nation and his world. There you go. The wisdom wisdom of Manly Hall. I like that. And so Any, very beautiful. I was, I'm sorry. I didn't, I should have done that. So last. that's going to be tough to follow, but, um, but, but yeah, like, thanks, and yeah, I'm going to set up put on the funniest comedian <laughs> in the world. And then you're going to follow him. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, buddy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, even strictly scientifically, you can't deny the evolution and accumulation of knowledge we have amazing cell phones now because of what somebody did 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago in electronics and in communication, whether it's the ideas or the technology. You know, we stand on the shoulders of giants, as is said in the scientific world. You know, we only can see as far as we can see because we stand on the shoulders of giants, I think is the, the larger quote. But when you're standing on the shoulders of giants, don't kick them in the head. I mean, that's to support you. And it's not to deny that these lives that have lived before you uh, have set up the world and this knowledge and this technology. Um, We can live in more harsher environments now. We can refrigerate food. We can, you know, there's a lot we can do uh, that was unheard of uh, 100 years ago, even 50 years ago. And just because Henry Ford died didn't mean everybody forgot how to make cars and you had to start over again. You know, it continues. There is this continuation of whether it's the founding fathers of this country that laid out a vision um, that Mm -hmm. extended far beyond what they could ever achieve. But they had the vision uh, more idealistic uh, that we can connect with now and it'll pull us along generation after generation, century after century towards this idealized, more perfect union, I guess is the language. So there's such evidence of that really in every other department in nature, this, you know, yearly cycle of death and rebirth, the seasons, you know, everything's dead in the winter and then spring comes again and new life, the new year with the new baby and this, you know, scientific, progress uh, that we've made, exploration, you know, we've achieved all kinds of things. When the person, you know, ran the four-minute mile, it didn't end there. Now lots of people can do that. It's still an achievement, but, you know, so these barriers and these things, uh, we can see it all around us. And really, why not see that in us as well? We know, and if you have a friend who, you know, if you know anybody that has more than one kid, Sometimes they're like, you know, where did this one come from? It's nothing like the other two. Um, you know, there's no. not a blank slate. We don't come, you know, in this blank tablet that we can scribble on. There's personalities and parts mm-hmm. of young people that are, you know, kind of developed. And it's not just, you know, nature and nurture. It yeah, young, young was very... So sorry, there's ahead. just enough evidence, you know, to support, to, to support... That, that it would be worthwhile to at least entertain. Yeah, I, I was, gonna, I was just going to add to that. Right. Sorry, I interrupted you. Um, Jung was very adamant yeah, that sure, no, you know, we were not born tabula rasa, which means blank state, slate. You know, we carry in these sort of pre-existent things within the personality, and they 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 show very very quickly in the individual birth of, of of the child. You know, those those personality traits and unique things about them. So. You know, that's still a very common idea now. It's like, oh, it's just, um, you know, it's just the environment that they live in. I mean, that's the kind of social argument. But, you know, that so you have to say to yourself, well, if the child is being born with something, what is that something and where is it coming from? It's just something to it's something to think about and investigate yeah. this idea of rebirth and reincarnation for yourself and see uh, how it might fit into your belief system and and wrestle with it a little, you know, and that's what we're trying to encourage on this show is to get you to look at some of these different things and wrestle with them and see if they may be of value to you and see if the understanding of them or the adoption of certain working hypotheses might help make your life a little bit better. You know, and that's, I think that's the best way to think about these ideas is like not to just, um, 
adopt something because you know you grew up in it or because you heard about it or because your wife or husband does it but because you found it to be valuable for yourself and you've explored and wrestled with it and found it to be to be true to you you know that's part of being a philosopher so we encourage you to be good philosophers and look into this idea of rebirth and see how it might help uh, you and future generations so thank you for joining us today uh, I think you said what you wanted to say, but I'm, I'll give you another opportunity. Is there any other little stuff on it? You're good to go? Oh, absolutely. No, no, thank you. Really, uh, well, thank you again for, for your, uh, yeah, your personal experiences. I uh, encourage you guys again to check out Chris's book because it's a, it's a great and fascinating read. Um, and thank you for joining us here on the Cosmic Eye Show. Check us out at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye if you'd like to donate. Uh, Chris's website is chrissheridan.com and my site is CosmicEye.org, or our site, really, for the, for, uh, for the Cosmic Eye stuff, CosmicEye.org. So you can check, uh, check us out in either place. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, join us again on Friday for our new Emmett Fox show, and then next Sunday for a new one of these. Have a great week. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. Keep a positive attitude. Keep the faith. Goodbye, and God bless. <laughs>